Hey everybody, we're the Menchwarmers. Uh, I'm Jamie. I'm here with my friend Gabe. Gabe, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. Uh, wanted to open the show tonight. We are less than 24 hours away, 24 hours past, with the uh, Oscar win of uh, legendary Jewish quarterback David Green. A.K.A. Brendan Fraser. Uh, yeah, from School Ties, uh, one of the great uh, Jewish sports movies of all time. With with I, minimal Jewish involvement, I think uh, Dick Wolf was the... Dick Wolf wrote, wrote it, right? the movie. And wrote, I assume I think it was like about his. He is, yeah. I think it was about like his school days. But uh, Brendan Fraser, not, but uh, I guess like happy to claim him slash I'm sure people look him up after watching School Ties. Um, yeah, I think so. I think he's, he, you know, he. I think the point of that movie isn't necessarily about it's that like he can be an all American football quarterback superstar at St. Matthew's Academy in Massachusetts and still be, you know, suffer a lot of anti-Semitism, especially because he's, you know, a working class Jewish teenager. But yeah, uh, so it is uh, Monday night, uh, March 13th. We are currently in the throes of a uh, not great Israel baseball game. Um, <laughs> we we have we're bringing this as a little sort of midweek uh, mid mid world baseball classic uh update and uh we have a very very exciting interview coming up uh that gabe did with spencer horowitz uh first baseman and outfielder for in the toronto blue jays organization he hasn't made the majors yet but he's on the 40 man uh and of course for team israel um so let's talk a little bit about what happened so far at the wbc um our our local hero a big hero uh, yeah. uh from sunday's game uh, spencer horowitz in the bottom of the eighth inning hit a, a single to knock in the tying run of the game and then set up uh, uh, Garrett Stubbs's sort of game winning double. Yeah, that's right. So it was a very, it was a very tight game. Israel had like men on in the first several innings. Um, couldn't get one over. Uh, just sort of couldn't bad get luck, anyone across. You know? Yeah. Bad, bad luck, bad cluster luck, like all, all, all the bad things that can happen to you. It was a one, nothing game. Dean Kramer, I think pitched four innings that were, you know, pretty much untouched uh, by Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. had a few men on, but nobody really threatening. Um, Nicaragua did manage to plate one run and, you know, Israel just couldn't get it through until the bottom of the eighth, uh, when Spencer came up, uh, with two men on and got a single to left field that scored the tying run. Uh, he was later driven in by Garrett Stubbs, um, for, I guess the third run of the game. Uh, and Israel went on to win three, one Israel's first run of the tournament. Very big, big, uh, uh, for him. And very excited to have him on the show today. It's a, a fun conversation talking about his upbringing um, in, I would say, densely Jewish Baltimore. Right. Um, there aren't a lot of major league players you hear about from Baltimore, especially you know from as big of an ortho community as they have. Um, a place that's pretty religious. Not so much Spencer himself, but a huge and strong Jewish community. I'm sure we've got plenty of listeners uh, in the Charm City. Right. Uh, and... Uh, and then we talk about his sort of his life during the pandemic, his time spent with his parents and his major league dreams, um, including, you know, I'll, I'll keep you guys posted on on his updates and, and whether or not he makes the league um, over the next few weeks. You can stay here for all your Spencer Horowitz news. Yeah, we'll definitely keep people in, in the loop. I, you know, he was put on the Jays 40 man roster to keep from being picked in the rule five. Um, you know, he's 25 yeah, he years OBP old. Of- OBP of around 400 last year at two. Yeah, he was, he, he's one of the, you know, he had a great walk rate last year in, in double A AA and triple A where he played. Um, you know, that's something you often see people who talk about prospects focus on because it, it is demonstrative that they have sort of big league ready uh, talent that they can, you know, take a pitch, take a walk, 
get on base when necessary. You know, unfortunately, he is blocked right now at first base, obviously by Vladdy Guerrero Jr. and uh, mm-hmm. Brandon Belt, the lefty who the Jays signed this offseason. Um, you know, uh, obviously, you'd never wish uh, ill health or anything like that on on anyone. So, you know, I, I hope that those guys are healthy and, and they block continue to block his path in that regard. Um, but you know, he's trying out as a as an outfielder, I think, in the in the World Baseball Classic, and that might be a place where he's able to contribute uh, for the Jays as well. So hopefully, he's able to make it up, and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully, we'll see him in Toronto this year. Uh, one of a number, or, or road a trip to of... Buffalo at, at, at the very least. That's right. Uh, one of a number of of Israeli base World Baseball Classic players who are sort of attempting to. World Baseball Classic play their way onto a major league roster. Um, yeah, you know Zach Geloff and, and, yeah, and Zach Matt Gelof, Mervis. Yeah. Um, so, some of some of our top top talent. So just to just to mention a few other things about where Israel sits, um, they are it looks like going to lose to Puerto Rico. Uh, they are getting perfecto through seven. Um, they're not being mercied because they're only down nine nothing. If it was ten nothing, I believe it would be a seven inning perfect game. Uh, but uh-huh. they will keep playing. Um, but Nicaragua, who Israel beat yesterday, uh, lost again today. And that means that Israel is guaranteed that they will not be the last uh, spot in the in their pool. And because of the way the World Baseball Classic rules work this year, that means that Israel is automatically qualified to the next iteration of the World Baseball Classic. Like they don't have to go through qualifying stages or anything like that. So that is exciting. Um, and, and that's also, you know, good just because qualification can be tricky. Often it's during the, you know, the middle of the Major League Baseball season. And some minor league players might be able to come, but you usually have a sort of gutted roster and, uh, you know, they're automatically qualified to the next WBC. So that's really excited, regardless of how the rest of this tournament plays out. Uh, they'll be back again and hopefully not in such a loaded group. And uh, regardless of how this game works out against Puerto Rico, Israel still has at least at the time we're recording this, maybe not the time you're listening. They control their own destiny if they if they beat Colombia and uh, sorry, Venezuela and uh, the Dominican Republic. Then they'll be moving on. So you know, and the, yeah, if they there, have still a possibility, still a possibility. If they beat one of them, they can get lucky. Yeah, um, that's right. It's not over, right? They win one more game, and 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 they'll be not necessarily laughing, but you know, quietly chuckling. Yeah. Uh, before we get to our interview with Spencer, Jamie, any uh, uh, magical, exciting Jewish sports news this week you want to discuss mid WBC? Uh, well, I wanted to mention that Max Homa had a, had a pretty good showing at the Players Championship. Uh, you know, the players is considered the fifth major. Uh, he was sort of not really in contention directly, but had a really good weekend. Uh, he was three under on Sunday and ended up uh, finishing tied for sixth place uh, with an eight under score. Well behind Scotty Scheffler, who sort of ran away with it on Sunday. Uh, but mm-hmm. Max is now ranked sixth in the world, which is not remarkable. I mean, I feel like when we were talking about golf, like this time last year, we were saying, you know, Daniel Berger, as a Jewish golfer, like had a chance to to crack the top ten if he had a good season. Uh, obviously, he's been dealing with injuries that have kept him out of the out of tournament play the last last many months, uh, almost a year now. But uh, Max has just been a rocket, and he's going to be top five soon. You know, he is going to really surprise people at the upcoming uh, majors. Uh, he's. You know, I, I expect him to be the betting favorite at the U.S. Open. Um, I don't think he will you know, be. I mean, I think there's still there's still enough people ahead of him. Plus, there's guys who, te- while technically not ranked ahead of him right now because they've been playing on the Live Tour, uh, would have been ranked ahead of him had they continued on the PGA. Uh, that, at, see, that's at the US. In, in, entirely possible. But hear me out. You know, I think betters know that uh, Max is, you know, 
one of the hottest golfers in the world over the last year. He sure. plays very well in California, and he owns the course record of the right. course at which the tournament is being played. He won the the NCAA National Championships there. And I expect him to see, if not the favorite, very, very close to it. it it's a great point. I, I do have a, a very small amount of money on him uh, that I got at 40 to 1, and the odds have definitely <laughs> changed since then. Um, yes. So, yeah, it probably will be something closer to 15 or 20 uh, to one by the time of the uh, U.S. Open in a few months. Um, Gabe, what about you? Any any Jewish news that's uh, been going on in sports? Uh, sticking with golf on the LPGA Tour, Chicago's favorite daughter, Elizabeth Sokol, or Jewish Chicago's favorite daughter, Elizabeth Sokol, had a great start to her season. Um, you know, 44th, a made cut at the first event in Thailand, and then in Singapore, um, led going into uh, sort of about halfway through around Saturday, was leading after round one and round two. Uh, and then uh, wound up finishing top eight, which I think is the best result of her career coming in eighth. And I think it's her third or fourth year on tour. Um, but, you know, let's see. Hope she gets a little momentum, too, um, and delivers, you know, that trifecta of Jewish golf wins we talked about with Dan Rappaport. That's great. Uh, second second thing I want to bring up uh, real quick. Uh, you know, we tweeted about it. We talked about it before. But uh, number 18 Jewish F1 driver Lance Stroll competed in his first race of the season and came in sixth with two broken wrists and a broken toe. That's um, it's it's I don't know how you can drive a car with one like slightly sprained wrist, let alone right. at 300 kilometers an hour with two broken ones. Um, he put, you know, a bunch of pictures on an Instagram of him giving the thumbs up with like full casts on his wrists three days before the race wow. uh, and had them taken off. Uh, and metal pins put in his wrist to hold them together uh, before the race. I can't imagine the type of medication he was on for that race to keep him going for 90 I, minutes. I think that's like at- you get an exemption from whatever. I don't know what rules there are uh, regulating substances in the F1, but like, hey, man, you're going out there with two broken wrists, like whatever you need. Like uh, <laughs> you you should get like a free exemption to like do a quick, quick run to Tijuana and stock well, up on, on anything. Well, the the event was in Bahrain, so I assume okay. the people putting on the Bahraini F1 event know where to get basically anything. Okay. Uh, uh, whether or not it's legal in Bahrain is a totally different story, but I think right. they're a, a pretty connected group. Interestingly, the rule, sort of the challenge wasn't whether or not he'll be able to drive the car um, as much, but the rules say that you need to be able to get in and out of the car under your own power. Really? Which is really hard to do without a lot of risk. Yeah, in case of a crash. Oh, it's a safety thing. To, right, that makes get sense. get out, it's a safety sure. thing. Um, and he was using his elbows to like hoist himself off the, uh, uh, you know, above the car because he couldn't really put his whole body weight on the wrists. Right. Uh, but he was able to finish the race and he came in sixth, which is really, really remarkable. Um, you know, it looks like- Because the F1 cars are like, there's no door on them, right? You just no. slide in through the window. Yeah, no, it's not a window. It's the roof. There's, they're open. It's a roof. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like, like, but like, it's like, it's like as if they built the chassis around you, basically. Yeah, it's like a kayak. It's right. like if you okay, were good, go, right. getting in, getting into a kayak, but there was a fifteen hundred horsepower engine behind you. Right. Um. So he, he, you know, it was a, a question whether or not he'd be able to get in and out of his own power. Uh, he did it, and he had a great finish. The interview after the race with Lawrence. His father, the Schmata billionaire from Montreal, um, you know, he he I'm surprised he didn't use the word Nachas, but he, you know, his tears were welling up, said he was a very, very proud dad um, watching his son, uh, uh, you know, succeed. It was a very Jewish moment and not just for the nepotism. Right. 
Um, I, w- I wanted to mention as well that uh, the NCAA uh, men's basketball tournament division one is, is starting up soon. Um, I'm not sure if there are, are Jewish or many Jewish players. I haven't done a deep enough dive yet. I'm sure there are some and, and people will tell us about that. Um, but the best prospects, I would say, in terms of a rooting interest are probably for Jewish coach- coaches. Um, we should say that uh, one person who didn't make the cut is uh, Georgia Tech coach uh, Josh Passner. Uh, who's actually just uh, let go or mutual party? It was, it was announced today firing. he is leaving. Yes. Yeah. He he left. Well, I, I don't know who's if it's connected, but but he is leaving. Yeah. Well, I did had a few bad years. Damon Stoudemire is actually taking over. Uh, Toronto. Toronto he is. Raptors fans will remember. Uh, but there's at least three Jewish coaches in in the uh, Division One tournament. Um, Joe Pasternak of UC Santa Barbara. Uh, Bruce Pearl, of course, of Auburn. Uh, who big Zionist was, Bruce Pearl. Big time, yeah. What? They're an eight or nine seed this time around. And, of course, John Scher, uh of Duke, who has a five seed. Probably the best bet to go. I mean, you know, they have Purdue in the third round, in the in the third round, theoretically. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's Duke. Anything can happen. He's had a great year as a first-time first uh, head coach, obviously, taking over for Mike Krzyzewski. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see who can go far. I think whoever did it would be the first Jewish coach to win the tournament. If I think so. Krzyzewski is, is, you know, obviously, you know, after a, a lot of debate amongst basketball fans, we know he's not Jewish. Um, has, yeah, he's, got too much, Brown, he's got too much Polish in his name. Yeah. Did Larry Brown ever win a uh, uh, college college NCAA tournament? I don't not know. Not sure. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure uh, there's been some Jewish coaches won. There have been a number of Jewish coaches, so I would think that there have been some that have somebody's won. But the tournament's only been around that long. Like I'm sure there's been some Jewish coaches won whatever was called the NCAA championship. I'm not sure anyone's won the final four. Um, we should probably yes. should have a better better memory um, of that. Yes, but we'll he look into won it next the final time. Sure. Four. I, I can Larry tell you right Brown, now. Yeah. Larry Brown was the coach of Kansas in 1988. Okay. Who uh, they made it to the final four the previous two years. Um, but finally, you know, finished it and and won um, D1 champion, gen, champions in the 19, 1988. Okay, there um, you go. In, interestingly about Josh Pastner, he is being replaced by Damon Stoudemire, as you mentioned, who was his assistant coach in Memphis for the yeah. first, you know, five years of his career. So they know each other. So, um, you know, I, I bet you Pastner is probably upset to be moving on. He's likely going to Kentucky. Um, however, uh, uh, probably happy they're keeping it in the Mishbucha. Uh, do you want to say about Josh Pastner going to Kentucky that I don't think Kentucky has ever had a Jewish coach. Their most hmm. famous coach was indeed named Adolf, uh, whether or not, but that like, all, you know, sort of at a time where being named Adolf was, was just a normal thing. It, right. Um, it's, it's, I wanted to mention, I didn't mention this to, as part of our Ryan LaVarnway interview, but you know, from, he lives in Denver for my 28th birthday. Uh, I was in Denver and my wife took me to the Coors Brewery. And I'm telling mm-hmm. my dad, we're going to the Coors Brewery for my birthday. It's going to be a nice time. And my dad, t- uh, uh, you know, sort of waits for a moment and goes, and by the way, this is like, I'm so excited. I'm I'm ready to, you know, there's a bunch of free beer. It's going to be a really fun day. You know, it's like a giant sure. factory. My wife, the engineer, was really excited about seeing all of the automated machines. I've The beer drinker was really excited about drinking all of the beer. Um, right. But... Uh, when you, you get into the tour, I called my dad, said, so it was exciting. He took a big pause and said, you know, his name was Adolf, right? Well, <laughs> some people were named Adolf back then. You know, the guy who invented the saxophone was named Adolf. I don't think. Really? Uh, Adolf saxophone? I think it was just sax. Adolf sax. 
anyways. And, and there's also Adolf with a PH versus Adolf with a with an F. Um, you know, the first thing that comes up when you Google the name Adolf is a TED Talk from a guy whose name is Living, whose the TED Talk is called Living with My Disturbing Name. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, it's people know it's it's tough to be uh uh you know, to be named Adolf right now. Yeah, not look, not to mention Adolf Marx, aka Harpo, you know? Yeah. Uh, not out here canceling I, the Marx brothers. Totally. At least not I mean, for their names. You know, one anything. of one of the Jews who founded Hollywood, uh, Adolf that's right. Zucker. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's, that's right. an, another one. Adolf Zucker was, you know, a a, a uh, Hungarian orphan who made his way to America and made, you know, what is now almost a billion dollars um, starting the famous Players Production Company. Yeah, so I think Adolph Rupp, uh, you know, a legendary Kentucky coach. I, I think he had a good record on civil rights. Is not really remembering much at the time. I, I, I don't think, he, think, I think he, so. You know, he coached at a time where, yeah, probably it was it was not okay to have black players, and also at a time where it was okay to have black players. And you know, every he, coach around that time probably is somewhere on the continuum of did they do it at like did they do it early? Were they very late to it? Uh, so, I think he, I think he had some African-American players on his team. So, you know, so the story is Adolf Ruff. I don't, I, Adolf Ruff. I don't know. He was first, uh, suspended for gambling in 1951. Okay. Um, and a huge, you know, a bunch of his coaches and a bunch of his players were taking bribes and shaving points in the NIT. Um, but that was also, you know, part of Rupp's they were paying players in 1951, which, you know, ethically is probably fine now, but a thing you can't do. Uh, a way Adolf Rupp was very notable in uh, civil rights. Um, he was a big, he was actually, you know, he was supporting civil rights. He actually used it sort of somewhat, I would say, like, sar- uh, uh, cynically as a way to recruit black players because he thought they could help because it was a, a competitive advantage. Um, And he sort of did this after losing the 1966 championship game against Texas Western, uh, which was an all black team, right? That's that's a glory roads about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pat Riley was actually on that team on the, uh, uh, you know, another uh, Mike Jacobs all-star just because of sort of his look and demeanor and Miami-ness. People think Pat Riley is Jewish. He's not, but Adolph Rupp and Pat Riley had an all white team on Kentucky. They lost Texas Western. So Adolph Rupp, uh, decided to integrate his team uh, for for competitive reasons. Pat Riley, uh, not Jewish, but he did inspire uh, Michael Douglas's look in Wall Street as Gordon Gecko. Uh, really, and Michael Douglas is, is. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but is Gordon Gecko canonically Jewish? I, I don't think so, but Michael Douglas is. And I was just thinking that like it seems like a bummer that we never had prime Michael Douglas play a coach, uh, like yeah. especially like basketball coach, like college basketball coach, like. Could he, like, you know, he like could have like done Bobby, blue like a, chips. Uh, yeah. No, totally. Well, blue chips is Nick Nolte. And at that point, they were somewhat uh, interchangeable, I think. They were sort of peers, yeah. I just yeah. feel like he had, the, he had the vibe for it. Of just like the, uh, an inte- 1980s Michael Douglas could have done the intensity of a, a college b- basketball coach of that era. And given, us, so. and given us a great and authoritative uh, Jewish sports film role. Um, yeah. Anyways, before, uh, before we... Perhaps, I, I do want to mention, just to finish sure. the story, did a quick look up. Gordon Gecko is canonically Jewish. Ah, um, given that he is based on uh, Oliver Stone's father, Oliver Stone, whose name is really Oliver Silverstein. Um, oh. His father, Louis Silverstein, and uh, a man named Asher Edelman, who okay. is sort of a big real estate investor and corporate raider, um, you know, who may have uh, coined the phrase "greed is good." 
uh, used in in the movie by Gordon Gecko. So he might not. So be it was right. really it was really like what it was it was Gordon Geckelstein before. Yeah, he, Gordon uh, Geckelstein exactly. So we can finish that. But uh, as well, you know, not to mention a little bit of Michael Milken, um, you know, right. one of the greatest Jewish criminals of all time. Um, anywho, anywho, uh, before we get off on too many too many further tangents, I, I, I was going to say, I can't say before we get off on a tangent when we're clearly on, uh, you know, a tangent that is as far as it goes. But talking about before we financial get too far crime, down, yeah, too far down. We I, <laughs> before we get on any further tangents. Let's turn to our interview with Spencer Horowitz. During World War II, the Nazis began a little-known program of extermination for their own children. In Peter Klenot's new mystery thriller, The Unwanted, 14-year-old Hannah Ziegler is being driven by her grandfather and her psychiatrist to a euthanasia center. 16-year-old Silky Hartenstein graces the cover of Nazi propaganda magazines. Avi Kreisler is a Munich police detective rounded up for Dachau. And a patrician father hopes his son, David McAuliffe, will be elected the first Catholic president of the United States. In The Unwanted, in the aftermath of war, revenge brings these four people together in ways unimaginable. The Unwanted. Do not skip to the last page. Find it at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And we are here with Spencer Horowitz. Spencer, welcome to the Menchwarmers. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's great to see you, Spencer. Team Israel outfielder, Blue Jays uh, infield, outfield, you know, immediate or imminent, hopefully major leaguer. Um, ready to see you soon. Where have we found you today? Where are you right now? Um, yeah, I'm in Dunedin, Florida. Um, I got a 3.30 flight to Miami to go down to the WBC. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to get down there. So that's awesome. So right before you're going to play for Team Israel, if you could tell us a little bit, you know, I guess the answer to this is yes, but how are you Jewish? Um, so my father is was raised in a Jewish household. He was bar mitzvahed, mm-hmm. and all my cousins were bar mitzvahed. So I've been around the Jewish culture my whole life, and um, I've grown to love it and just appreciate it and respect it. Oh, that's awesome. I know, as you say, we are a Jewish podcast. Um, you know, you're talking to an audience of of a lot of bar mitzvahed people. Um, and, you know, you're going to have a lot of fans playing for Team Israel. That's something we hear a lot. You know, uh, athletes with Jewish upbringings get a lot of Jewish fans wherever they go. So, you know, what does what does playing for Team Israel, you know, why are you doing it? I'm doing it because, number one, it's going to be a great experience. It's uh, playing in the World Baseball Classic has been a dream of mine forever. And to be able to represent Israel and my family and where we come from is just an unbelievable experience. I'm, I'm really excited to get down there. That's awesome. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. So yeah. Mm, big Jewish community there. Huge, yeah, absolutely. Actually. And so you were, I guess, a part of it from that, that aspect. And how did you, perhaps you could tell me a little bit of the story. How'd you get involved with Team Israel? Um, so I was in Buffalo, I think it was around end of July, early August. And Team Israel reached out to me and they asked me if I would be interested. And I said, yes. And then it started the process of seeing if I was eligible. And mm-hmm. then around December, they told me I was going to be on the team. And I was extremely oh, excited. That's amazing. The other day, actually, the stories of how guys wind up doing it. The other day, Ryan LaVarnway was on our show. And mm-hmm. he told us a story that it was during a game, during an at-bat, 
Matt Mervis is up. Laverne is catching. And Matt turns around and goes, hey, do you think you could get me on Team Israel? And then turns <laughs> back around and keeps hitting. Um, <laughs> and they made it happen. Uh-huh. So it's awesome they reached out to you because I think the interest is always very mutual. Absolutely. I think anyone that could play in the WBC wants to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and did, did you follow the 2017 team at all? I didn't follow it when it was happening, but I've looked into it since I've like uh, been told I'm playing for Israel and they made a, <laughs> they've been, they've made a heck of a run. So I'm, I'm hoping that we can do that. And I was talking to my agent about it and he was all in on me going, he's like, Israel's the team of destiny. You got to do it. I'm like, perfect. I'm in. That's amazing. Is your agent Jewish by any chance? Cause he might no, have a vested no, interest. If so, um, <laughs> That's awesome. So what are you looking forward to most? Are there any players you're looking forward to meeting? Anybody you're looking to playing with? Like what? Let's talk about the baseball a little bit. Yeah. um, I'm excited just to be able to compete in that kind of environment. It'll be the first time I played in a major league stadium. First time I played with any of these guys. So I'm just excited to meet these guys. And Jock is, seems like he's going to be the captain, the leader. And yeah. he's got us all fired up in the group chat and saying, <laughs> that's oh, awesome. we're going to get out there, kick some ass. And we're all excited about it. Uh, that's amazing. So again, you're like, you've had, obviously you're, you're a prospect. You're looking to make the major soon. And then all of a sudden, you know, thanks, sort of thanks to your Jewish upbringing, your Jewish connection, you're facing Sandy Alcantara in, in a stadium with 50,000 people, almost like you blinked and it's there. Yeah, it's um, I don't really I don't really know what to expect, um, but I'm excited. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a an exciting experience, and I'm just gonna take it for what it is and try and grow from it and learn from it and just appreciate every second of it. Um, that's awesome. So let's talk about Toronto for a couple of minutes, just because you know, uh, the Blue Jays drafted you. I guess it's been four years ago now. You know, what, what do you know about the city? Have you ever been, you excited to come? Yeah. Um, never been to Toronto. Um, here. Do you have a passport? You're going to need a passport. I got a passport. (laughs) I've been in Vancouver in 2019. So I got my passport for that. Um, but no, I'm excited. Um, never been to Toronto. Like I said, um, everyone speaks really highly of the city and says how amazing it is and how they never leave once they go. But um, yeah. Yeah, I hope one day I can experience it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, I promise you, you've got at least one Seder invitation coming out of this interview uh, come Passover. Although I think I think the Jays are on the road during Passover. I think the oh. Bisons are too. Uh, oh. But for what it's worth, you got at least one coming Perfect. next year if it is. Perfect. Um, yeah, exactly. So that's, I mean, that's exciting. Toronto's a big city. Growing up in, in Baltimore, you're going to get a lot of like the same diversity and mm-hmm. and I w- I'm going to say like pride in living here. Like, I, you know, Baltimore, people love being from Baltimore. Absolutely. People love, yeah, being from Toronto as well. Um, but so maybe tell, what are some of the places you've played so far and what have you enjoyed? And is there any sort of, have you found any communities there? Yeah. Um, first drafted. I got sent to Bluefield, Virginia, which many people have never heard of. Um, but it's I being like, one of them. Yeah, it's like Southwest Virginia. It's um, it's actually right near where I went to college at Radford, so it felt okay. kind of at home. It's um, it's more mountainous terrain, um, not much, a little slower, and um, I loved it. It was out in nature, and it was great. And then 
flew up to the opposite end of the country or not even the country went up to Vancouver. Yeah. And, um, that was polar opposites of Bluefield. Um, and Vancouver <laughs> was in a live city and I absolutely loved it there. People were so friendly. The food was amazing. Um, I wish I got to spend more time there. And then 2020 happened, no season. So I was in Baltimore mm-hmm. the whole time. Uh, and if you don't mind me interrupting, what do you do? Like, you you know, you're not necessarily have a major league paycheck to rely on. You know, you're, you're waiting. College is done. Like, how did you spend that year? Um, college wasn't done for me. So oh, it wasn't I, done. Amazing. I, I took some classes online during that. So that was a blessing in disguise that I could do that. Um, and I, I, lucky enough, still, I was living with my mom. So <laughs> I had a free place to stay. Paychecks weren't coming in. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just coached a little bit, worked out, luckily. Um, yeah, I got in, got in the best shape of my life. And, uh, and that prepared me for 2021 when some people call it my breakout year or whatever. But um, yeah. The minor I, league bar mitzvah. The bar mitzvah <laughs> growing into a baseball player you know, from a prospect. Exactly. Bar mitzvah. Yeah. Um, and so in 2021, I was in Hillsborough, Oregon. Because of COVID again, I was supposed to be in Vancouver because they switched mm-hmm. Vancouver from short season to high A. Um, but Canada wouldn't let us in due to COVID. So we were in Hillsborough, mm-hmm. Oregon, spent the season there. Oregon was beautiful. Um, just the, the nature out there was unbelievable. Some of the best scenery I've ever seen. And then 2022, I started the year in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. New Hampshire was a very... Um, What's the word? Uh, blue collar, blue collar city, yeah. hardworking. Um, it was cold. It was really <laughs> oh, cold sure. the first half. Um, but no, the yeah, summer. Yeah, that's like hurts your hands when you swing. Yeah, that's- it was it was cold going from Florida to New Hampshire. It was cold, and then um, yeah, it was a uh, the summers in June. It was it got beautiful, and then um, second half of the season, I was obviously in Buffalo, and Buffalo was it was uh, a lot more of a uh, like a city life than mm-hmm. New Hampshire. And um, yeah, it was great restaurants, great coffee shops, got to go to Niagara Falls. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a great experience up there. Yeah. I, I'm, I really like Buffalo. I live, you know, we live close. Like it's, mm-hmm. I feel like Toronto and Buffalo always have a thing with the minor league teams and the bills mm-hmm. and, and all that. Let's get back a little bit. Were you aware of other Jewish athletes when you were a kid? Like, did it, did you always want to be a, an athlete and did being Jewish like come into your play at all? Um, yeah, always wanted to be an athlete. Sports were Mm -hmm. always like a big prevalent point in my life. And especially with my dad, he was, he's a big sports guy, always has been baseball, football, golf, everything. He, Mm -hmm. he obviously introduced me and my brother to sports our whole life and we always around it. And then just being around the Jewish culture, it's, I wasn't, I wasn't, I'd say too familiar with Jewish athletes, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's an honor to be able to represent them. And hopefully- I'm sure it's funny. I'm sure you'll get like the athlete we get asked about the most is Sean Green. Okay. Like, people ask us like, have you met Sean Green? Yeah. <laughs> When's Sean Green going to be on the show? Um, and I like people always say, oh yeah, I love Sean Green as a kid. Doesn't mean it matter if they're an athlete. Just, I guess if you're in Toronto or LA, you know about Sean yeah. Green. Yeah. Um, so- but I'm, I don't know if Baltimore had many Jewish sports icons growing up. Maybe you could be the guy. Yeah, um, I none off the top of my head, 
Uh, yeah, maybe Ray Lewis. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yes, maybe you could you could be the next one. That's I mean that's it's interesting to hear. Um, so and then how's your spring going? That's sort of like the other thing. You know what's what are you working on now? What are your goals? Like are you having fun? Probably the most important question. Are you yeah. having fun? Yeah. Um, people forget sports are supposed to be fun. Um, but no, it's it's been great. This is my first big league camp. And uh, I've enjoyed it so much. Um, working with Don Mattingly every day and working with Vladdy so at cool. first base and in the outfield next to George Springer. Like, it's been a great experience, and they've all been extremely welcoming and helpful. And I'm so grateful to be with this organization that cares about the players so much. And they're, mm-hmm. they're really making an investment in the players, and I'm excited to see what's what's coming up. That's awesome. Um, we, I mean – We've had a couple of the broadcasters on. We're going to get Shapiro on this show one day. He's on the list. It's going to happen. Um, so we'll keep you posted for when that happens. And you could maybe get some insights into the yeah. internal politics a little bit of the team. Um, you know, something we talked about with actually with Ryan last week is that you guys are like, I don't want to say every, but like most Jewish kids sports fans, like you are the fantasy. Like what if all of the Jewish players got together? Doesn't matter where they're from. They just got together and played. Um, you know, would you guys be competitive? And yes, the answer is yes, definitely. You guys, it, it, and, you know, what would it look like? You know, what if this, somebody like Jock Peterson, you know, picks Israel over America? Like, that's so cool. Yep. Um, and, and like, how does, you know, what's that going to look like? Um, you know, the Jays have had a lot of Jewish players that, you know, have been fans of before. Rowdy Telez, you know, just before, and Kevin Pillar before that. And the community tends to really r- rally around those guys. Um, and they're going to do that anywhere you go. Like, uh, you know, we should, I should have asked this earlier. It's my bad. I skipped it on the page, but in the minors, did, did people ever ask you if you were Jewish? Did it ever come up? Um, yeah. Having the last name Horwitz, a lot of people, yeah. um, they do ask, but yeah, it's, that's normally all the conversation is, is just like, are you Jewish? And I'm like, yeah. And then a lot of people will be like, oh, that's cool. That's pretty much it. It's nothing. Yeah. Normally doesn't go any farther than that, but yeah, a lot of people do ask. Do you find it's more Jewish people or non-Jewish people that ask? Maybe that's a personal question, but yeah. I, I... No, you're fine. Um, I'd say probably more non-Jewish people. It's Interesting. I, they're just, um, it's more like, they just don't know. It's, and, and they're just curious. And yeah, typically what it is. I, you know, a Jewish pro athlete in rural Oregon seems like a bit of an oddity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, it's definitely not the most common thing, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's... I. I think it's super cool. Obviously, that's why we have this show. Um, so, uh, again, wish you the best of luck uh, both in the rest of spring training. Hopefully, we'll see you and chat again when you get to Toronto. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Spencer, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you so much to Spencer for a wonderful and enlightening conversation about him, life on the road, and being Jewish in Baltimore. And uh, as for our, our gentle listener, I will keep you posted on whether or not he does indeed come to my Seder. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, it's funny. Before we started this whole podcast, we were talking about the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. I, I would say very much in the manner of, uh, of Dave Rose and Happy Endings trying to explain the uh, subprime mortgage crisis. Uh, so that, that's a deep cut happy endings reference to anyone who remembers that show of just uh, not, 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 not you know, like Jewish we both character. scanned a few articles. I would say that was our level of understanding. Uh, and we finished up our, our first part by talking about financial crimes as well. We, we should mention as well, uh, 
you know, one of the greatest financial cr- criminals of all time, Steve Cohen, is now bankrolling the the New York Mets to uh, maybe do a pennant. Do you, do you mean great in like the the sort of massive sense, yeah, or yeah, great, like great in like terrible, the pejorative like the, like sense? Oz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the great and terrible. Steve Cohen, the great and terrible. Yeah, uh, and you know it's a good segue to to mention as well that you know there's a, a big Jewish holiday coming up. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about tax season, uh, and that's a great opportunity for everyone to donate to the Canadian Jewish News. Uh, the Canadian Jewish News now a registered journalism organization, as defined by the Canada Revenue Agency. Uh, and so that means if you're in Canada and you give a donation, you will give a tax receipt. Uh, that's that's which, a new way to support your favorite shows like us. Yeah, exactly. And Bonjour High and Yehupitzville and the rest. And all the rest. Um, so please give. Give generously. You can uh, find more information about that on the Canadian Jewish News website, the cjn.ca slash donate. Um, wanted to mention as well that uh, I, I looked it up when we were on break. Lior Berman uh, is a guard on the on the Auburn Tigers team. Wasn't sure if he was still on the team, uh, but he's definitely one Jew who is in the NCAA tournament. So root for Auburn, I guess. Uh, as a committed Alabama football fan, I'm not going to be doing that, but uh, f- feel free to root for Bruce Pearl and, and Lior do, and, do you uh, think to make it through the tournament? You know, there's so you know Lior Berman is from Birmingham. Um, you know, went to high school close to Birmingham. Do you think? Now, you know, he's a, oh, was a walk on. Do you think anytime he like throws a pass away, you've got, you know, some Auburn booster that like writes down that he doesn't approve of Bruce Pearl's choice in players thinks there's something going on? You know, what? I think with walk ons, um, there's a little bit of latitude that's given because it's like they're not they're not really making the difference in the team. And you, you really want guys who are like good character guys. So I think it's like, you know, if he if he makes an errant pass in the in the last 10 minutes of a game. That they're up on up up on their opponent by thirty, then it's not a big deal. I, I Anyways, also, I also believe there are probably several Lior Bermans in the world. Um, <laughs> however, he is almost certainly the only one who is not currently living in Israel. Right. Uh, I also wanted to mention very. No, there's, there's probably some other ones, but I also wanted to mention that in the time that we were recording this podcast, uh, Puerto Rico did complete the Mercy Rule perfect game through eight. Wow. Uh, it was the first perfect game in World Baseball Classic history. <laughs> this is not exactly uh, a high point in in Israel baseball history. Israeli baseball history. But it is history. It is history. <laughs> and I think we got to take your lumps where they come. Just rebound tomorrow. We got Dominican Republic. When you're listening to this, the Dominican Republic game should be coming up. Uh, let's know, rebound and, and beat that team. They, they, can, they can be beat. They can be beat. Israel's a good team. Anything could happen. Maybe we can say, you know, a great miracle happened there for Puerto Rico. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, it, it's a miracle. Not a miracle not ours, somewhere. but somebody's. Some miracle, yeah. Uh, anyways, until next time, uh, I'm Jamie, This is, and that's Gabe. Uh, we're the Menschwormers. Uh, find all our stuff on the Canadian Jewish News website, as I said before, the cjn.ca. And follow us on Twitter, at Menschwormers. <laughs>